things for today. One, on the dabbler from George Leonard's book called Mastery. The second, as usual, three quotes for you to ponder about. And the final one, on the fitness industry, the state in India, and, well, just some of my thoughts on it. Well, let's start with the dabbler. First up, highly recommend this book if mastering a skill is something that's been on your mind or if you are somebody who feels frustrated that you haven't gotten past a certain level. Now, what the book does, at least help me do, amongst many things, was provide a framework for the three or four types of people that we might be. And as soon as I read these types, I recognized myself in all of them. Because at different times, at different skills, at different mental states, uh, different maturity levels of my life, I've approached them well, in all of these types. And I've also grown to approach one skill and evolved at who I am in that skill as well. Anyway. What I've realized, again, my opinion, it is a choice. It is fine to be on any approach. Maybe some of us can choose to be on the path of mastery on, on everything. For example, as one of my students has repeatedly told me, even something as simple as washing dishes can be done with a meditative state, with a with an eye towards doing it well rather than being zoned out while listening to a podcast and doing it. Now, there are <laughs> things that I think should be just uh, dabbled and are meant to completely have fun with. Uh, for example, I don't think I've ever been bowling uh, or played Cornhole, uh, Cornhole is a, uh, a game in the Midwest. Um, I don't think I've ever played these without being drunk. I think uh, they are more fun that way. But, you know, there are, I understand there are bowling championships, and I think there are Cornhole championships as well. So, strength training or any physical activity, I think, we can choose to be any one of these types. Understanding this framework, recognizing where you are, is useful because when you realize you're not getting what you want out of it, there the framework comes in handy. Maybe you know, you're a dabbler or a hacker, and well, that has finite returns. So unless you change your approach there, what you get out of that skill is not going to change. 
So what are these types that George Leonard classifies? One, the dabbler. Two, the obsessive. And three, the hacker. And I've added a fourth one called the student. And while in his book he is essentially talking about somebody who is on the path of mastery, as my experience and my lens is primarily through what I see in strength training and the people I coach, uh, well, in nutrition as well, I'm going to use his framework and add my thoughts and opinions to it. Let's start with understanding the dabbler better. The next section is directly from his book. The dabbler approaches each new sport, career opportunity, or relationship with enormous enthusiasm. He or she loves the rituals involved in getting started, the spiffy equipment, the lingo, the shine of newness. When he makes his first spurt of progress in a new sport, the dabbler is overjoyed. He demonstrates his form to family, friends, and people he meets on the street. He can't wait for the next lesson. The fall off from his first peak comes as a shock. The plateau that follows is unacceptable, if not incomprehensible. His enthusiasm quickly wanes. He starts missing lessons. His mind fills up with the rationalizations. This really isn't the right sport for him. It's too competitive, non-competitive, aggressive, non-aggressive, boring, dangerous, whatever. He tells everyone that it just does not fulfill his unique needs. End quote. The honeymoon period of any new activity is just brilliant. I dabbled with running. And while the first four weeks were not a honeymoon period, the next few months totally were. It was a glorious honeymoon period. Once I had a bare minimum level of fitness and running skills, I uh, look forward to it. I was running more every week. I was running more every Saturday during the long run. The trails that Team Asha would take us to were gorgeous. But after a while, I was running at the same pace, more or less, like a 10-minute mile. To improve would have meant a whole lot of things. For me to figure out, do I want to run longer? That is, do I want to train for a marathon? In which case, it means putting in a lot more time and effort. Or do I want to run faster? Do I want to work on my running style? Should I work on my strength? Should I hire a running coach? Should I not do CrossFit? Should I stop playing Ultimate? These are all the things that 
I should have done if I wanted to take a much more serious approach to running, if I wanted to be on the path of mastery. So for me, at that time, being the dabbler was perfect. Brought me a lot of joy. I spent quite a few months over there. I did spend time on a plateau. I didn't give up at my first plateau. I had a concrete enough goal to run 21K. I did that and then I finished. I think, again, this is one of those extremely sensible things that I did quite by fluke, not by design. Because now I look back at it, I could have given up running that first day, that first week, that first month or in two months or whatever. I'm glad I did not. So even dabbling, I think, needs a little bit of work. Now let's say for you, you wanted to you want to play badminton. Great. Maybe you played as a kid, so there's some skills there, and you just go dabble and you immediately improve because I don't know, you have more reach. You spend a few months and then you move on. As long as it is checking off whatever box you wanted to check off, there's no reason to overthink it. Why? Well, what is the larger goal? Let's say it's just health and general fitness. Well, then any physical activity is important. Does it matter if you get bored after the honeymoon phase? Does it matter that you plateau and you get frustrated and you want to go find something else? Well, I think the larger issue might be if you stop doing everything, but as long as you're even going along to something else, well, that's great. Not everyone needs to be on the path to mastery on this uh, fitness thing. I've seen my fair, st- uh, fair share of trainees who join for a year, make great progress, then hit a plateau and get disillusioned. Right? Like the first few months, your nervous system is starting to come to grips with what you're doing. Your muscles are already capable of work and you just haven't ever tried to you know, lift weights with them. So that's why the first bit of progress is pretty rapid. And when that stops, people uh, get annoyed. Like it's not that you go from squatting, I don't know, zero to 32 kilos within no time at all, within a few weeks. It's that your body is already capable of squatting 32 kilos, but you never taught it what a squat was. So, yeah, going from 32 to 48, though, or 48 to 64 or whatever. Now, that's the plateau, that's technique, that's staying on the road for a lot longer. And maybe that's not it for some people. And who might argue, you know, maybe squatting 32 kilos is all you ever need to do as long as you can keep squatting 32 kilos, right? So, as long as you got something out of it and you moved on, 
wonderful. Not everybody needs to, you know, geek out on strength and conditioning or lifting weights the way I do. I think the value here is the framework in recognizing ourselves. It is not that you're a dabbler as a person. Instead, in what facets are you a dabbler? And if you're not seeing the results you want, well, now you know why. You got to step it up. But if being a dabbler checks off the boxes, wonderful. I needed to dabble with yoga, with running, with CrossFit. And only after all of these experiences did I understand what path I wanted to be on. If I hadn't dabbled, I would not have discovered fun things like triathlons, like long distance running, lifting weights, so many things. So I don't think there's anything inherently right or wrong. It is simply maybe wrong to be clueless about it, wrong to be lacking a framework to go about this. So I hope this helps and over the next few weeks, I will elaborate on the other kinds as well. All right, on to three quotes for this week. The first one by J. Krishnamurti. Pick up a piece of shell. Can you look at it? Wonder at its delicate beauty without saying how pretty it is or what animal made it. Can you look without the movement of the mind? Can you live with the feeling behind the word without the feeling that the word builds up? Yeah, I, I got nothing. You gotta think about this. It's, it's complicated and maybe I understand 1% of what he's trying to say. So I'm just going to let you be with it. The second quote by Bruce Lee, education, to discover, but not merely to imitate. Learning techniques without inward experiencing can only lead to superficiality. End quote. Context matters, not content. Wisdom, not knowledge or accumulation of information. It took me years of reading books to understand that I've been doing it reasonably wrong all this time. I've been accumulating it only in places where I've allowed it to lead to inward experiences have I really grown. And I've waited for books to click with me. Like there's a reason I'm a uh, Dan John or Powell Sotsaline based uh, strength coach. Because what they say resonates and what they say has resonated in a deeper, more fundamental level. Like it has led to what Bruce Lee here talks about as that inward experiencing. And 
the thing is depending on what things are you can feel this change happen to you you just need to find the right thing and you need to i love a little bit of it before you take a call on whether that's your thing or not and on to the final quote by michael bunge stanier it doesn't matter if you mastered all the productivity productivity hacks in the world the faster you dig the faster the world keeps flooding the more you lose focus the more overwhelmed you feel the more overwhelmed you feel the more you lose focus as as somebody who's tried a bunch of productivity hacks um has added rather than subtracted to my work day yeah cannot agree more so few ways that i try to go around implementing this are having a morning ritual learning to define what a successful day is having as simple as you know what my tasks for the day are learning to let go and having a heart stop having a transition so many small things but they seem to add up because yeah you you cannot keep working more more and more it's not that's not the solution so something else is all right on to the last one for today on the exploding fitness industry in india and the opportunity now fitness in the world itself is exploding it's getting more and more and more mainstream crossfit has been around for about 15 years and for the past few years oh crossfit has been around for longer for the past few years it's with the crossfit games it's really become a global phenomenon but before that let's uh, talk about the state of health in our country as a country we are terribly unhealthy there are about 135 million people who are classified as obese now abdominal obesity are having belly fat above a certain level is amongst the leading causes of lifestyle disorders and cardiovascular diseases we are the diabetes capital of the world uh, which is a terrible title now back to gyms and fitness and all that there have been gyms around us forever but most gyms if you see are you know machines and bodybuilders who are trainers now this doesn't really build fitness it's like trying to get better at painting by playing football right it makes no sense so you cannot body build with machines and try to get fitter whatever fitness means there and i guess we need to define fitness right like let's 
you just want to be you just want to look better you want to feel better you want to be able to do simple mundane tasks well let's say you need to walk 10 kilometers should be fine let's say the elevator is out and you need to walk 20 flights of stairs should be possible you need to carry your kid sure no problem uh, carry grocery bags for a kilometer sure no big deal these kind of things and squatting all the way no joint pain for these you don't you don't need machines you don't need to run on treadmills and what's been happening uh and this is one of the reasons we moved to start the quad was we realized that there was a very poor definition of how general people uh, like you need to get fit. And as somebody who searched for answers and found our own, we realized it was quite simple. Uh, no, we were all just looking at the wrong textbook. And of course, things aren't going to go well. So that's one of the reasons uh, we were extremely enthused to move and start the quad. Now, the awesome thing with more internet permeability over the past 10 years, and particularly the last five years, we've seen a lot of these new age gyms, let's call them. Gyms that aren't just machines and uh, bodybuilders as trainers come by. And that's, that's good because, well, because we are unhealthy and because more importantly, all of us need to move. We are built to move. We need to move. There is a tremendous business opportunity here. Now, this business opportunity encompasses something much larger than just, say, physical fitness um, in the healthcare and wellness space. But that's just out of my expertise. And I just wanted to narrow down on, let's just say, fitness and a little bit of nutrition. Now, the biggest company in India, or one of the biggest in terms of funding, is uh, Cult, Cult Fit. Uh, it's founded by people who've run extremely large-scale uh, companies before. They know how to run massive operations. And I think they are creating e an ecosystem where they can have their fingers in this entire pie of wellness. Not just, you know, uh, yoga and mental health or you know, physical activity and gyms and physical health, the related apparel and, I don't know, maybe supplements or whatnot, but what if you, your entire, are you healthy? Do you need to see a doctor? What, all of it. It's a, it's a gargantuan ecosystem. And cult is popularizing fitness for everybody. And I think it's wonderful. Why? Like I said, we are all built to move. We are built to lift things, to walk around, run around, to play and throw. I mean, think about the kind of stuff you used to do as a kid. It's the same thing. There is no reason you shouldn't be doing all of those. 
just because society said so, just because society said you need to sit at a desk 12 hours a day, just because everybody around you is doing it, nah, that's not a good enough reason. We are built to move. And just because corporations and uh, I don't know, whoever is not allowing us to move and we've forgotten to move and we don't know it's a thing, uh, doesn't mean it's not stupid. So we need to break out of this. We need to move. We need to feel better about our bodies. We need to allow it to do what it does. And a whole lot of these issues will go away if we can just move normally. Now, movement is a very broad spectrum, which is great. Because for me, it's lifting kettlebells. For you, it might be anything. That's the, well, awesomeness and, well, slight complexity because choice sometimes confuses us. But more importantly for this, you know, all of you need to understand that fitness can be fun. And by you, I don't mean you. I mean, you're listening to this. So maybe the people around you, right, your parents, your uh, relatives, your friends who think diets are eating salads and fitness is for people who want to grow uh, big muscles and they think you're wasting your time possibly at the gym because you don't look like the billboard a gym generally has. That's silly. But it is what it is because we don't know better. We need to realize that growing old does not mean limitations. Fitness is not something just, you know, those fitness freaks do. And here's where cult can and do something phenomenal. They can spread the word that fitness is for everybody, that fitness can be fun. And by using a lot of marketing money and celebrities, they're going to change the mindset of a lot of people. At the scale that they are aiming to operate, it is unreasonable to expect them to promote true strength and conditioning. I mean, strength and conditioning is going to be one of the many, many things that they are going to try to get across. And that's okay. Because this is not about a particular method. This is about the message. While I believe, and this is a, a belief founded on results, on science, on a lot of empirical data and standing on shoulders of giants, while I believe that strength training should be for everybody, that's not going to happen. Everybody will and should find a method that resonates with them. So that's what cult can do. Cult will um, make compromises on methods in that it is more about reaching more people and being more accessible and more fun. For example, they're not going to teach you boxing, let's say. Yeah, you're not going to be a boxer. But if by using punching and kicking and elevating your heart rate, they give you a cardio workout, that's great. Because to somebody who might find the joy of running or you know, interval training better, 
uh, not better, more fun, but some people might not. Some people might want to just wave their hands and legs about. And you know where? That's where uh, so many of these dance forms come into play. While puritanical coaches might say, but that's not strength training. Yeah, it's not meant to be. It is anything you do, as long as it gets you desired adaptations, and in this case, it's simply some form of exercise, some form of cardiovascular activity, some form of movement where the joints and the muscles move. That's wonderful. Because there's so many of us who don't take that first step. And taking the best first step is hard. But taking that first step and once you have some fun with it, could just be, oh, I'm starting to feel better about myself, but I think I need to look deeper into this, and there, that's where doors open. And one of those secondary doors might be, you know, strength and conditioning. But it could simply be, oh, now I can go play sport again. Or, you know what, maybe I'll go take up a martial art. Or I'll go take up dancing, which maybe previously it was too big a step for you to just jump right ahead. And these compromises, well, yeah, life is about compromises. As a big company at that scale, they have to make this compromise. It's so much easier for, for me to say, Oh, coaching and strength and conditioning because, well, that's the, that's the hard part, right? We deal with 1,000 people. They are trying to reach hundreds of thousands of uh, people. So precise coaching uh, costs money, costs a lot of time, uh, requires individual attention. And these are not things that, from the trainer angle, it's hard to educate uh, at scale as well. And to uh, the asymmetric risks go up because with strength training, you're lifting more weights. And more weights, well, if you don't know what you're doing, uh, it can go wrong. So I think what cult is doing is brilliant. Now, what this means for the rest of the industry is it's not something you need to be scared of. They are taking the responsibility and well, obviously, you know, not out of the goodness of their hearts alone because they see a huge market opportunity. They're gonna open the door to a whole lot of people. And a good small percentage of them will want to turn to you next, whatever that is. You could be the friend who guides them on what they can do next. You could be the small uh, boutique uh, gym that gives them, I don't know, strength training or the one-on-one -on -one attention they need or guide them towards what can they do next. But the start is always difficult and here's where I think Again, cult is clear. It's about fun. It's about lots of movement. Some high-intensity cardio-ish work. 
even though they use resistance equipment, well, it's lightweight. So it's not really, you know, strength training, but that's okay. Fancy gyms that, you know, make you want to go in, they look brilliant. And trainers with an athletic background. Now, these guys come from uh, many years spent in sport and coach to a base level of skills with a very specific reduced syllabus of what they're going to coach. So, this is a phenomenon that is going to continue to grow because this industry is nascent and it's going to explode and there's so many of us who rightly need fitness and wellness in our lives. I think there's a place for a lot of small outfits. Uh, unfortunately, competition at the top generally tends to be tight. There's probably space for only uh, two people. But if you're not those two people, then you got nothing to worry about. Instead, think how a place like Cult can help you. You need to do your own thinking. You need to understand what the first principles in uh, your field are. You can't just copy. I mean, you can copy, but you will be found out sooner or later. Copying is a reasonable place to start off. But you got to do your own thinking. You got to figure out what it is that you are offering and what it is that people need. And I think, well, this is just design thinking that it, this, this applies across the board to any industry. But since I'm not an expert in any industry, I want to stick to just fitness and nutrition. So anyway, that's about it for this week. Thank you for listening. This is Coach AA signing off. You stay safe. Bye.